You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio, welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Matt Adams and Mike Chappell. I'm Dave Griffiths. Appreciate having you all in along for the ride and sticking with us through last week when I couldn't stick with you. I was just so broken up by the Colts season being over. I, I couldn't make it into the office uh, that day to do the podcast. And that and I had strep throat, so I didn't want to... Oh, I just put a black armband in and came to work, so you know we handled things differently. You do, you you absolutely did. But uh, but glad to glad to be here with you all, uh, chatting a little off season football. Wish we were still talking playoffs, of course. And uh, and it's been it, the the first week of the playoffs. I thought was really great. It was very interesting. Uh, the Texans are still moving on. AFC South representing. Uh, if you want to be AFC South, uh, big big fans there. Um, and, and I think I, there's part of you that that. That's like that, but I think a big part is also the the rival, of course, and 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 I wanted to I wanted to say that like I, I find I find C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryan's very likable, which is bad if you want to hate them. You know, if you're a Colts fan, you want to hate your rivals. Like they they actually have an unfortunate, very likable quarterback <laughs> and head coach. I'm, I'm in the same boat, of course. One of my coworkers is, is from Texas, so he's a Houston fan. Mm-hmm. So we have a little bit of friendly rivalry, you know, throughout, you throughout the season. Uh, but I just. I told this to Chap last week. I'm just like, I like C.J. Stroud so much. Mm. I would not have been broken up one bit if he ended up as an Indianapolis Colts uniform. Right. And I'm kind of, they're kind of the underdogs here. And, and mm. I'm kind of pulling for him, which doesn't really make sense because I'm a Colts fan and this should be the Colts right. in this situation. Or it could very well be the Colts in this situation. Right, very well, much. well, then you balance that by just taking great pleasure from Jacksonville's Nosedive. Exactly. Very true. Yes. So, and, and part of me thought that was kind of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, but, but yeah, it's, it's, and we talked about this. Is it, it just shows where the AFC South is probably going to be for the next, I don't know, six ten years. Mm-hmm. Very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still not as bad as the Eagles uh, to collapse Ooh. down the stretch. My Eagles. No, man, losing, my condolences on thank that. Thank you. Losing five of the last six, but but uh, again, mitigated by the fact that the Dallas Cowboys once again collapsed in the playoffs. So so we've Eagles, got that going Eagles for us. Eagles were worse. That, that's worse. Eagles, oh yeah, 100%. Eagles was worse. Down the stretch, it was worse. But yeah, it, well, in, but, in the last game. I mean, you're you're pl- you're playing for your season. They're awful. You're you're given a chance to to atone for all the nope the last six weeks, and you just nope. Gosh, it's awful. Can't do it. They uh they're they're uh yeah. And I I'm not getting into the Eagles because I I could talk for an hour uh on on the disaster that 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 so was. This, that this was is the blue zone, not the Eagles. It, exactly. Do you no, think no, no. Sirianni survives? I think so. Yeah, I think he survives. Uh, it depends on what happens uh, halfway through next year. You know, through eight it games. It depends on what he says like, to the, to the owner. It it there's part of it. And I'll say this, and then I promise I'll stop. Like it it kind of reminds me of what happened back in 2020 um, when everything blew up with Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz. Because I mean, they had just won the Super Bowl, and then a couple years later, they're still in the playoffs. They made the playoffs, but things were unraveling. You could see Peterson gone, Wentz gone. Like I and. Obviously, um, like Jalen Hurts did not have the same season this year he had last year. Sirianni, maybe the luster is off a little bit. But anyway, like I said, no more. I promise. I'm not talking anymore about that. Okay, a good transition. What what a lot of analysts pointed out is how much did losing Shane Steichen yep. impact mm-hmm. that team, Absolutely. certainly offensively. And again, looking back then, uh, they always talked about how much losing Frank Reich impacted that team. Right. Like, like there, there are a lot of similarities between uh, what happened then and what's happening now. And you can absolutely make the argument that losing Shane Steichen was was a big deal for that team. And I think Colts fans are, are very happy to have him here for a team that certainly surpassed expectations uh, for an offense that was still uh, a top 10 offense at the end of the day in the NFL, even though you, you lost your, your quarterback and you were on uh, you were on Gardner Minshew for the entire season. And, uh, and your um, and and your best player was out for mm-hmm. for seven games. You only played ten games. Yep, didn't start the Taylor. season with them, and then yep. he had that stint and, in the and middle. Jack Leonard was virtually a non-factor the entire season. All, all these things, like Colts fans, should be thrilled right now for for what they have moving forward. Not thrilled that they're not playing, right. obviously that, but but thrilled looking ahead. Uh, I think at the future and and a very solid foundation to build on. It does not take away the sting of this year and how things. Uh, ended in that last game of the season, uh, which you guys broke down plenty last week, so we don't need to really dive headfirst into all that. But uh, but 
we begin looking forward now, and that that should be uh, wrapped in uh, and presented with uh, plenty of optimism uh, for for what's going to happen. Even as you look around, and, and the NFL playoffs are still going on, the Packers are looking for another upset against San Francisco. The Texans are playing uh, the Ravens, seeing if they can do what the Colts did earlier this year and pull the upset uh, in Baltimore over them. Um, Bucks, Lions, that that'll be. A, I, I'm thrilled to see the Lions and uh, to see the success that they've had. Um, it, it's funny, like you look back at what, like all those things that Dan Campbell has said, like in speeches to his team that have made it out uh, onto Twitter or onto the social media, wherever, and people laugh at him. Well, well, who's laughing now? Say he's and, one of the last eight teams there. He is, and they've had a very good season. And Jared Goff is having a career resurgence there. Um, Chiefs Bills once again Mahomes and Allen uh, in the playoffs it's turning into the new uh, Brady Manning it really is those two guys every year it seems like they're going to meet each other of course Joe Burrow I think is going to have something to say about that and inserting his uh, his name into the mix uh, there as well uh, in, in that group over the next I don't know five ten however many years that that they're all with with those teams there's no evidence to say that they're going to go anywhere else anytime soon so uh, so it's it's been a, a good first round wild card round of the playoffs anticipating a good divisional round uh, coming up uh, this weekend. Before we get into uh, kind of a Colts wrap-up and, and look ahead, uh, there, there is one, one piece of very important news uh, in terms of Indianapolis Colts football this week that, that we will mention and, and, and speak about briefly, um, is that uh, just the uh, other week, the Colts announced that uh, Jim Ursay was battling a severe respiratory illness. Uh, he was in the hospital receiving treatment. And uh, they asked uh, the, the, the standard that we respect, please respect him, his privacy at this time. Now, since then, uh, it has been revealed first on TMZ and then second on our very own Fox 59 CBS4. Very much big credit to our reporter Max Lewis for being on this story um, that Carmel Police uh, had found Jim Ursay unresponsive in his home in Carmel back on December 8th. And they had administered Narcan, and uh, that was a whole issue back then. These two appear like separate problems because Jim Irsay was at the Colts-Steelers game on December 16th, one week after that uh, incident. Now he is back in the hospital. Like I said, the Colts announced saying he has a severe respiratory illness uh, at this time. And in an updated statement sent out yesterday after uh, the news broke of that other incident back on December 8th when Ursay was found unresponsive, the Colts said that Jim Ursay is still recovering from the respiratory illness and they did not comment on yep. the December Ask 8th for, incident. Uh, privacy for Jim and his family. Exactly, which, which, you, which you're always going to get. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, this is not, uh, obviously, I, I'll say the, the obvious. They're, they're under no obligation to say exactly what's happening here. This isn't like an NFL injury report where teams are obligated to say exactly what's happening with, with, with their players. But uh, Mike Chappell, this was a, an incident that uh, brought, once again, uh, Jim Ursay's private life uh, into the limelight and also some health related issues for your team owner also a kind of cast puts the entire future of the franchise and where it's going and who's in charge kind of at the uh, the center of the story as we are right now yeah first thing with it with the december 8 incident that, that just it just confirms what we've those of us who know jimmy and i've known him since 84 i consider him a friend he has demons he, he just does <laughs> And there are times that the demons get the better of him, as they do with a lot of people. And this was one of them. And and whether whether the the second incident is similar, I don't know. And that's something that if other people want to speculate, they can. Uh, but but yeah, as far as what how this impacts the team, initially it doesn't. They they have. I'm just convinced that they these are smart people, and they have made contingency plans for whatever whether it's Jim running the franchise for another 10 15 years whether it's for the daughters to to ease into control whatever they they, they have made these plans there there are pieces in place uh the bottom line is right now you're hoping that Jim Mersey can get control of the demons can come through this and, and be back at the complex there's part of me that would like to see Jim Ursay be forthright when this is over about what's going on. Like I said, he doesn't have to be. There's no reason that he has to be. But but what the Colts have done over the previous years about kicking the stigma and putting that 
very much in, in the forefront of, of Jim Mercer's public persona. I, I think it could go a long way, some openness about what exactly is going on, Matt. But, but like I said, no obligation to do that. Uh, I think all of us uh, are hoping, and those of us who pray are praying, that he comes through this and is okay on the other side. He's able to come back, and if you're a Colts fan, see the Indianapolis Colts uh, do do exactly what they hope to do in the next four or five years. And he always talks about multiple Lombardis. If you're a Colts fan, you'd love to see him once again up on that stage, obviously. But but right now, uh, his health being uh, at the very center of, like I said, what whatever. Um, his health is of, of most importance right now and getting back to that point. Well, and he has been open in, in the past, sometimes yes. a little bit too open about things <laughs> that are going say on that, in yeah. his life, sometimes to his credit, sometimes to his, his detriment. But uh, kicking the stigma has been such uh, such a, an important force for that franchise over the last couple of years since they launched that initiative. And I, I think if, uh, if he's able to and he's able to come to terms with that and talk about it, I think that only strengthens the initiative that, you know, nobody is 100% fixed all the time. We all have mm-hmm. our struggles, and it, it would be good for him to share that if he's able to. Chap, as as you look toward the future of the Colts and tra- transitioning from, from one over, owner to another, I think that will um, become a topic of discussion. You, you see it in, in other franchises here and there, franchises that aren't sold, obviously. Um, the, the long-term franchise in the NFL, the Roonies, the Maras, the Hunts that have passed it down from one person to the next and, and, and yield control to the next generation. Do you think that, like we, we've seen, it's been uh, Carly Ursay down on the sideline. Like she has a headset on mm-hmm. during yeah. game. She's got her little notepad. She's going back and forth. I don't know exactly what she's taking notes on or what she's listening to, but but she has been in a point where she's been trying to understand more about the ins and uh, goings on I think is, is the best way to put it about about the franchise you've seen it obviously in recent years with her presence on the sideline Kalen has been in front of the cameras uh, for either kicking the stigma or other different uh, more public relations events that the Colts uh, go on uh, Casey has been kind of off the beaten path it's been the other two that have been, been in front of the camera or been kind of in that uh, had more of a role in team activities it, it, it should be obvious that in some form or fashion, those three are going to be in charge whenever it is that Jim Irsay steps away, right? Yeah, and again, I think Carly's the one. She's been at league meetings. She's, she's sort of done what, what her dad did when he learned from the, from the bottom up, you know, picking up jock straps and doing all this as a young kid. I don't think she's gone that far. Quite that far, no. But, but it's, it's learning every, all the ins and outs. And like I say, at least initially, I don't think this situation – you know, providing he, he gets better, as we all hope and pray he does. This isn't, I don't think, an, an issue right now in the operational because because it, it right now Chris Ballard is sort of steering the ship with, with the daughter's input, obviously. Right. If, if things take a turn for the worse, th- then then we have to consider how how they divide up mm-hmm. the, the the responsibilities right. whether one of them is more community and one of them's more hands-on with the franchise again i think it's it's very very clear that jim mercy has total confidence in chris ballard without question do the daughters i don't know uh so, so we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes but uh, again I, I just i just know in my heart that because of Jim's history and his struggles, they have they have plans in place. What, whatever those plans are, they have contingency plans uh, on you know a succession, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, again, these are smart people. They're, 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 they they know what they're doing. So while a lot of us outside are saying, "What's going to happen if this happens?" These these. People know what's going to happen. So all the best to Jim Irsay right now. Our hopes, our prayers with him, his family. And uh, obviously, we on the Colts Blue Zone will provide updates as it goes on into the future. Um, and you can read online, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. Follow Mike Chappell on Twitter, at mchapel 51 and, uh, and that's all we have to say about that for the present time. So it brings us into kind of a recap of the Colts season and our uh, look ahead. We've got some free agents, obviously, that we're going to get to that in a little bit, and we'll talk about um, just our top priorities and who's uh, must sign, not must sign, you know, all that stuff, guys who probably won't be here in the future. 
um, of all the that big list. But uh, you, you run down uh, what, what the Colts were able to accomplish this year. And like I said, the final offensive ranking being 10th in the NFL, scoring 23.3 points per game, time with Cleveland. I, all of us, like, we're, you're shaking your head shaking right now. Head. I, yeah. I, just, I cannot, I mean, and we saw this happen during the season. They had that stretch, you know, they'd scored 20 points at least so many games and, and all that. I still cannot believe the final number there. That it, it, They're tied, but they're still top 10 scoring in the league. And when you, when you look at what they had to go through on the field, losing their, their quarterback, uh, JT being banged up, and then sometimes that unit just not looking very good sometimes. Mm-hmm. Just a credit, I think, to the coaching staff. Chap, I think there were there were hills and valleys, certainly, dur- during this season. And, and it is a credit, as Matt said, to the coaching staff and Shane Steichen in his first year, not not getting caught up in the valley. You know, the, an, an unprepared or a not good head coach would, you know, at the beginning, you, you have your, your peak maybe with uh, some, some good performances. Then then you saw the offense really struggling in, in games against Carolina and, and, and the Panthers. And I think – and the Patriots is what Carolina I was going to say. Yeah, exactly. Carolina and the Panthers and the Patriots. But but a couple games where there was really some doldrums. And they were able to win those games. And I think that helped them pull out of the other side and really kind of get a little bit more going down the stretch. But uh, this was this was a team that, that was able to keep some, some level of – um, some level of quality throughout the entire season amid the peaks and valleys by, at, at the end of the day. Yeah, and that's just – it has to fall at Shane Steichen's desk. It just does. You know, we, we sort of roll our eyes sometimes when he gives us his non-answers during media availability. Right. But his message was delivered and re- received by, by the team. And I, I don't know that, that you would want a coach who's, who is on the highs and lows of a season. It would drive your team crazy. You've got to see the leadership. He showed that. That includes Jim Bob, and it includes Gus Bradley to some level because, you know, there's more issues on defense than there is offense. But but you, the, the head coach sets the tone. He meets the team, you know, early in the week and at the end of the week, and you've got to draw your direction from him, and they did. The Colts were 10th in the NFL in rushing this year, averaging 121 yards per game. Zach Moss ended up the leading rusher at the end of the year with 794 yards in 14 games played, averaged 4.3 yards per carry, scored five touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor, in 10 games played, scored uh, seven touchdowns and uh, ran for 741 yards. And over a course of a 17-game season, if you're curious, that's about 1,250 rushing yards per game so that was the pace he was on averaging about 70 75 yards per game uh, in those games that he played and there were a couple games remember that he played where he was very much limited yeah absolutely. Uh, early early on when they were easing him in the Tennessee game I think is when he came back yeah. yep, just had a handful of carries they right. had a couple of design things they were doing with him and, and that's about all they could get because they were concerned about you know conditioning and integrating him into the offense and all that stuff and and all that to say he he had all a grand total of one snap there with Anthony Richardson uh, in the backfield uh, three yard run. Well. There it goes. Three yard run. I and still see it. Yes, <laughs> in your head, it's burned in there in the in the back of the retinas. But uh, Richardson himself, seven touchdowns. He scored in four games. Uh, four of them were were in rushing. Uh, by the way, four touchdowns. So he played in four games, scored four rushing touchdowns. Which uh, the the leaders in the NFL among quarterbacks this year were both Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. They each had sixteen rushing touchdowns this year, I believe. So that's that's your pace of basically one rushing touchdown per game, and that's what Anthony Richardson was on early in the year. Franchise records five. Well, I think that he's going to beat that yes. if he stays healthy. Yes, there you go. Knock on wood in the future. But uh, that was obviously a, a topic of conversation, and you guys uh, broke uh, some of that down last week with the uh, the postseason press conferences with Anthony Richardson, with Chris Ballard, about changing play style and what exactly needs to change with Anthony Richardson. I got the sense from both Ballard and Richardson especially that we are not going to see too much different in terms of play calls in terms of style of of quarterback play with Anthony Richardson in the future in spite of the fact that in the four games he played he only finished one of them this year they still want Richardson to use his legs and that's one of the main reasons chap that they drafted him because he's that he's that dynamic with that with that they didn't draft him and then he gets out there in camp and they say holy smokes we didn't know he could do that no that's why you drafted him the whole the thing I got is be smarter the I really thought the only injury that should have been avoided was a concussion mm-hmm. absolutely run through the tape run, run through it and and then you you don't you don't have contact with the defender then you don't get bowled over you don't hit your head mm-hmm. and all that stuff 
and then you probably don't have him uh, get concussed during that game. Right. He's able to stay around. Yeah. Some some of the other ones were, were more like it's there. They were unfortunate injuries for sure. And, and uh, he talked about it, uh, slamming his knee against the turf week one against Jacksonville. Um, it's and also the uh, the Indianapolis Colts turf is changing. It is is uh, yeah, notoriously not great. Over exactly there. the uh, the slit filled turf is. There's only a couple stadiums in the NFL who who have it, and the Colts are getting rid of it this off season and updating it to a to a more. Um, a more friendly turf for the players. Not that any players on this roster ever complained about this last turf. They would complain about other t- turf. <laughs> I'm I'm reminded of Zaire Franklin um, when this was a, a topic, Matt, early in the year about uh, turf and injuries and all that stuff. And they were talking about the turf at MetLife Stadium in, in New York, oh, yeah. which oh, is notoriously uh, even yeah probably worse than the league. Probably the worst in the league. And Zaire playing at Syracuse University back in college uh, played I think one or two games there like bowl games uh, at, at MetLife Stadium and at his quote was hilarious it was even in college we knew that bleep some word that begins with s was bleep a word that begins with a like that was his quote we knew that s was a like even in college they knew how bad that turf was yeah i love zaire oh he's the best the best yes absolutely the best and i think he would deserve every year to be a uh an, an awardee of the the media uh the media i forget exactly what we call it but we always give an award to a player at the end of each season for uh for openness with the media and just easy to work with michael Pittman jr won it this year and cer- certainly to, to his credit i don't know um well, 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 he had plenty of opportunity this year to to have some uh, some chances with the media. He was always forthright with us, um, and and the one instance where after the one game where he complained about his role and then immediately called everyone over, was like, "Look, okay, this this got blown out of proportion, sort of. Well, not really that, but I, I said something that that uh, I should have said differently, and I didn't handle it well. Blah blah blah. So, and, and Pitt's always always honest with us and 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 pretty open when he's there. There are sometimes post game after a loss where he doesn't want to talk to anybody, and you know it because of, of his uh, just his personality, his um his competitiveness like he gets mad yeah, after he, and he knows that if, if he addresses the media then he will probably say something that he right. will very much regret right. but but that time that time he regretted it uh and and he he was the bigger man afterward and called everyone over it was like look i was wrong here and uh that's uh that that's that's not how i should have spoken and i am a big part of this offense obviously yes it's career highs and catches and uh, yards i Ver- believe this very year, much so. so career high and catches and yards uh, had four touchdowns. He still did score. I believe it was seven touchdowns. I think he had like six receiving touchdowns and one rushing touchdown back in 2021. And of course, that year he had more yards per reception and all that stuff. But um, but yeah, he had in terms of just yards and yards and receptions was was his uh, most productive season uh, there in his four years now uh, in the NFL. We go on to further receiving, uh, further players in receiving. Josh Downs is a rookie, 68 catches. That's great for a rookie. That's really good, especially for a third-round rookie. Um, 771 yards, uh, two touchdowns. Downs showed a little bit of explosion, too. Uh, he showed that he can get downfield and make some plays there. He's not. That's not going to be uh, his typical MO, but what, when you have it in your bag, that's that's beneficial, Matt, because we've been talking for a couple years now, two years about about Alec Pierce, and I think he's a great deep ball receiver, like a really, really good one. And you love to see you you want that on your team. I, I think we're still like you still want more from from Pierce in terms of the shorter stuff. And I, I think Josh Downs already has a little bit more of the the Swiss Army knife. Yeah, a little, uh, little more versatility, which right. is what a Swiss Army knife would be. Thank you for the the, the source there, Matt. But. Yes, yes. So, um, yeah. So, so then Alec Pierce, thirty-two catches and uh, five hundred uh, fourteen yards this year, two touchdowns. Certainly the the big play threat. Um, and with only thirty-two catches, you you, I think he he was certainly limited in in what he could do after. Anthony Richardson went down, and, and Gardner Minshew took over. Min- Minshew, like he can throw deep, like other quarterbacks in the NFL. Like he, the the knock on Chad Pennington for years was he wasn't a deep ball thrower uh, for the the Jets or the Dolphins or wherever he was playing. But you could still throw deep from time to time and, and get the ball downfield. But it's just not not your strength. Right. It's not. It's not that automatic. Like Anthony Richardson, when we saw him, it was just that flick of the wrist. Yeah. And then the ball just sails and. 
Gardner, you, you got to scheme it up a little bit more, and if it's not there, he's just going to check it down. And right. that's that's fine. I mean, that's that's what you do. One thing that did strike me with Pierce this year is, yeah, the yardage isn't there, and and the catches necessarily aren't there. But I do feel that this season he had an impact on games that we didn't necessarily see last year. Like he was getting past guys in the secondary. Sometimes he'd get the ball, sometimes he wouldn't. Right. Other times he would draw flags. There were three or four occasions I can remember this year where he did blow past a guy. They grabbed him. Colts got a big play out of it based on penalty yardage, which does not appear obviously under Alec Pierce's statistics, but it has an impact on the game. And, and the more effective he is down the field, the more it's going to open up stuff shorter exactly. in the field for either Pittman or Josh Downs. Like you see him running go route after go route after go route, and it could be frustrating for him and for fans, even if they see him, if they're there at the stadium, they see him maybe get open. Um, or get close to enough to open, and he doesn't get the ball as much. He's still having an impact on the game because, like, what, when the ball comes to him, he catches it a lot of the, uh, a good portion of the time. And defenses have got to be got to be wary of that. They can't let him go. Um, and especially when Anthony Richardson comes back and is more of a threat, I think on a on a play to play basis. I'm just not quite ready to write the guy off as no, a bust. No, yet because we need some continuity in the quarterbacks' room. We need. You know, a little bit of that before you can say, "Hey, maybe, maybe this isn't the guy that we should have picked a couple years ago." Yeah, and 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 as you go forward, uh, you you hope that he takes just another step, and he become he gets a little bit more of that uh, the short uh, across the field, maybe some more crossing routes yeah. to try to hit him in stride and see if you can get him going for uh, in in that way, or if he can become um, more of if if he's more of a deep threat, like uh, if he becomes more of a guy that's that's kind of like. I, I compare him to to maybe an Anquan Bolden or a Ricky Prohl type receiver who who can get that 15, 20 yard in route or out route there. Um, like you, you, you get you, people are so worried about you just keeping on running that at 15, 20 yards, you stop. Right. And, and then there. exactly. And then you get that hit. And we, we saw that with I think Nico Collins for, for the Texans was was that this year. Like he, he could do that brilliantly. And and you need the quarterback to get him the ball at that point. And CJ Stroud absolutely did that. He got them on those uh, 15, 20 yard in routes. And we saw that just in the two games that the Colts played against them, that he was very effective in, in that area. And I think Alec Pierce can be that if, again, he takes that next step, I think, in his development and you have a quarterback who can throw it like a rocket and and get that ball on the 15 20 yard in route out route so um so so yeah that i think that's the next thing you you want to see from from alec pierce and his development and you talk about tight end uh as well kylan granson led tight ends with 30 catches for 368 yards um drew ogletree had uh his first career touchdown but Obviously, his future is very much in limbo right now with his legal issues here in central Indiana to be determined what he's going to be in the future with the Colts. Will Mallory had some promise in his rookie year. Um, I think showed that he's a pretty good receiving tight end. And Chris Ballard talked about that in his postseason press conference. And then Jelani Woods, um, a, a completely lost season at a entirely disappointing uh, season here, uh, his second year uh, in, in Indianapolis to not even see the field to have a hamstring problem at the start of the year and then to be working his way back and to have his other hamstring give out on him and just miss the entire season. Uh, I, I think one of the biggest disappointments this year, Matt, has to be Jelani Woods and the fact that you did not see any of him and uh, he could not he could not try to take the next step in, in his development as a guy who, who's a unicorn of a tight end, a huge guy, a fast guy, an athletic guy that you saw glimpses of in his rookie year but just could not get on the field here in the first year with Shane Steichen as well, head coach. And we, we know that hamstring injuries can linger, but we thought that it had been enough time that this was eventually going to get right. And it just, you know, it seemed like the one hamstring got right, but then the other one, he, he pulled it, and he just could not get things back on track. And, and you're right, lost season and just a, a, real, a real shame. Offensive line for the Colts, uh, I, I think, had a, had a massive bounce-back season. Uh, last year in 2022 – that was one of the weakest parts of the team. Uh, and for how much you had, if you're the Colts, invested in that area, the biggest disappointment uh, of the year. This this season, I think, was, was a top 10 unit in the NFL. And Quentin Nelson, once again, a pro bowler. 
a deserved pro bowler this time. Uh, you could argue, unlike last year, uh, offensive line, sometimes you, you get just in there by the basis of, of your name. Yeah, people are like, oh, guards. Oh, Quentin Nelson. Exactly. I've heard of that guy. Yeah, so you put him He's in there. He's pretty good, I yeah. think, yeah. And he, uh, to be fair, a bad year for Quentin Nelson is still it's better still... Than, than probably half the NFL, Absolutely. At, at least. And then uh, Ryan Kelly, I thought, had a bounce-back year. Um, and, and he said that he, he seems to indicate that he wants to keep playing in spite of uh, uh, internet rumors that he was thinking about retirement, seemed uh, very much to, to say that he, he seemed, didn't know. He seemed where, pretty salty about that exactly. whole thing, too, which, uh, which not, you not, like to hear. Which you like to hear, exactly, yeah. and especially from Kelly. So uh, Right tackle, Braden Smith had a very good season when he played and really fought through some uh, that, that knee injury, which was, I think, worse than, worse than a lot of people realized. Um, and he spent four weeks uh, on the bench there before coming back and playing the last couple weeks and not being completely right in those games at all, but still played well and well enough. And, I mean, he he was on uh, T.J. Watt in, in that Steelers game and played really well against him. Watt did not do all that much uh, in, in so that he game. He had, like, one play early? Yeah. And then exactly had this it. Yes, had a strong start, but then nothing after that. Um, so, so anyway, uh, offensive line appears to be kind of settled a bit. And, uh, Bernard Ryman, uh, you have a, a guy that you can, you can think right now, Matt, uh, that there were, there was a series of a couple years after Anthony Costanzo retired when you're like, okay, who's the left tackle going to be? Do you have it? Do you have it? Do you have it? And, and I, I think as we're in this off season now, that's not a question anymore. It's like, this is the guy that we think is our left tackle of the future. Now it's about seeing him continue to take steps from year to year. It's not about, is this the guy? It's about, he is the guy. Now you hope he just continues to get better yeah, as a young player. Yeah, you just player. want to see him add some more stuff to his game, pick up maybe a little bit more strength, that type of stuff, uh, things that are part of the development of a player. But I think Bernard Ryman got himself paid this year, especially yep. if he's able to follow that up with another solid year next season. Yep, so for, for him as a third or fourth round pick, wherever he was, I forget exactly off the top of my head, I think a third round pick. I think it was pick. a third round. Yeah, so, so you get a four-year contract uh, as, as a rookie. So you've played two of them, and then uh, you have one more next year, and then you're eligible for an extension uh, after that when you're going into your final year uh, of your contract. And it's what we saw from uh, Jonathan Taylor. Ha, ha, ha. That was less than fun. It was what we saw from Shaq Leonard. Uh, as well, back in 2021, before that season, when uh, when he got his deal, uh, going into that final year of his his four year rookie deal, and uh, so, this, so that's that's kind of pushed off into the future for Ryman, but but for now, entering his uh, his third year now, uh, that's that seems to be set. Will Fries, uh, I think, was was better than yep. than he was in his uh, than two years ago. He kind of solidified himself as as a as a reliable guard uh, there, not. Pro Bowl caliber, I don't think, but but starting guard level in the NFL. Hey, hey, man, it, it's like we talked about last year. It, 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 well, not really last year, but like if they could have just had some competent play at the offensive line yeah. last year, then maybe things were a little bit different. This year, they they got that, and yeah, it was nine and eight. They missed the playoffs. They had a chance and everything, but. It just a completely different vibe from the team and the offensive line this year. Y'all may have noticed that uh, Mike Chappell is no longer talking, and uh, that's because he had to he had to step out for a bit. So uh, Matt and I are going to take us to the finish here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone as well uh, for news and notes throughout the week for for major uh, major updates uh, that that could happen over uh, the coming days and over the off season, whenever it might be. Uh, but let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball and and, and what the Colts were were able to establish this year or what uh, what they're going to look like moving forward um, tackles obviously Zaire Franklin set for the second year in a row the franchise record uh, for 100 uh, 179 tackles uh, which was second in the NFL behind only Bobby Wagner of the Seahawks who had 183 and Zaire played uh, only in 16 games instead of 17 games as well um, EJ Speed had it cracked 100 at 102 tackles Kenny Moore with 93 tackles that's very expected. I think all, all of those guys. You have your two linebackers, like your main main tackling guys, and then Kenny Moore, your nickel corner, who is playing in the middle of the field right. and uh, really so good, much. Usually in run support, right? And so you would expect Kenny to, to rack up some tackles. Those are probably the three players that you want to be your leading tacklers if you're the Colts. Uh, honestly, you might like to see maybe a defensive lineman in there uh, as well, maybe over Kenny Moore. I don't know, but uh, for for this for this team and the way they play. Uh, you, you don't want your safeties to be uh, leading tacklers. You certainly don't want your outside corners to be leading tacklers because that means they're getting burned uh, way too often um, and they're trying to play catch up. So 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 that's those are the three guys I think that you want. So the Colts issue is once guys got past them. Right. They just 
they wins. kept going. Yes, <laughs> and they weren't stopped. So I, I, I do think that that was a question that was that was posed to Chris, Chris Ballard about the safeties and what he thought about them, uh, their play this year. And he first thing he said was that Julian Blackman had a really good year, and he did have a really good year. Blackman led the team with four interceptions. Uh, Kenny Moore had three. Ronnie Harrison and Rodney Thomas both had two each. But but outside of what I thought was pretty consistent good play from Blackman in a contract year, um, there there were very much unreliable play yes. from, from the other safeties, whether it was Rodney Thomas back there in his second year, maybe a little bit of a sophomore slump from here. And even even last year, he was a, a seventh-round rookie who came in. He he was better than expected right. because he was a seventh-round rookie. But but this year, it was just maybe like, okay, this is, maybe this is what he off is. A little bit, yes. you know. and, and, and after that, you brought in Rodney Harrison, who played linebacker at the start of the year, and he moved back at the end of the year to safety. Nick Cross... Uh, I think they would love to see Nick Cross take a big step forward in his development, but just that ha- hasn't done it yet to a consistent level uh, uh, back there. So uh, a- a- on the line, Samson Ebukam, the uh, free agent acquisition, led him with uh, nine and a half sacks this year. Quiddy Pay had eight and a half. Dio Dangbo had eight. F- DeForest Buckner also had eight. To have four guys with eight plus sacks is, is really good, Matt. Um, but you don't have that guy who's like the 15 to 20 range. Like, and not a lot, not every team in the NFL has that, to be fair. But um, even a team like the Houston Texans with Jonathan Grenard, who had 12 and a half, like that, that's still a guy who's a little bit more dynamic than, than what you have. In spite of the, I think, very consistent level of play that you had in terms of getting after the quarterback this year, that is an area that you can look at, whether it's in free agency or in the draft, that you might eyeball and say, that's something from speed rush on the edge that you could look to improve a little bit and make this defense a little bit more dangerous than it was this year. And, and, and you know, sacks by committee are, are good. And, and, and many times they were able to get pressure on guys, but there were also times, very frustrating times, when it was a third and 16 and you needed to get to the quarterback and you had to have that guy to be the guy to get to the quarterback. And instead it's a pass over the top for 20 yards and it's a first down and because I, they couldn't yeah. get the pressure. I, I was particularly impressed among these guys here with, with Dio Dangbo. I, I thought that he, he... He flashed some potential of being that He guy. did. Like he did flash potential. He can go inside, outside. I thought he was dynamic and he he probably played few. I don't know snap counts, but I think he probably played fewer snaps than all of these other guys here. Um, I, I would have to go back and look at that, uh, but but it, it just felt like that to me. He, I think he played more toward the end of the year than he did at the beginning of the year. Uh, Quiddy Pay with eight and a half sacks is, is very good. Of course, uh, Chris Ballard, when asked if he's going to extend, decide, pick up that fifth year option for Quiddy Pay, uh, was said, "You know, I'm not going to tell you that." <laughs> and gave his little chuckle. Of course not. Chris. No, yeah, exactly. So like he, we could ask him, but. It was it was unlikely we were going to get the answer. No, it's not you, like it's like Chap says you got to ask. Right, exactly. If and you ask that because he's not a fifteen sack guy because then it's obvious. Like yeah, you're going to pick up the fifth year option. Yes. but but he's in that he's in that range where you really don't know. If he only had like three sacks this year, it wouldn't be a question either because you would not be picking up his fifth right. year option. But but he's in that he's in that middle range. Like I said, like maybe you do, and and, and the deadline for that is I believe in early May, May second, um, for uh, for picking up. Options options for uh for the the first round class of they've got some time to think about it. and and to quitty's benefit we did see uh i i think some improvement in in the pass rush this yes. year and then on the other hand he's also solid against the run game which is 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 a benefit because not every edge rusher is able to wear both hats right very solid against the run like like I, i've made the comparison on this podcast to jabal sheard who, who is a great run yeah, defender not, not a bad guy to be compared to and could get like six sacks a year if quiddy is a little bit more dynamic and can get eight to ten sacks and is still as good of a run defender then he's a better player than jabal sheard which jabal sheard is is a really good nfl player i mean he he's getting second and third contracts uh free agent deals trying to uh maybe he doesn't stay with one team but uh, but he's gone from team to team. Sheard has and has found some good success in different yep. places across the Te- league. Teams want him. They, they find a place and they find a way to use him because exactly. he has that utility. Exactly. And, and maybe Quiddy Pay is that. Maybe the Colts keep him around because they particularly value him. I don't know. Um, but but we'll find out by the beginning of May whether they add that fifth year option, which is a pretty expensive option for defensive ends because it goes into just like how much the top defensive ends in the league make, um, and and that's kind of how how that that number is determined based on uh, contracts and rookie contracts. So I don't know if they will pick it up because I don't know if they view him as as worth quite that much money if he's not getting the 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 Bosa numbers, the Watt numbers. 
um, the the Daniel Hunter numbers uh, in terms of sacks that that is the kind of the guys that he would be comp to in terms of his salary for that. So 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 we'll see. I think that's that's very much you can make an argument either way uh, for that. But 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 we'll find out uh, about Quiddy uh, this offseason. What? But he's certainly with the Colts next year, absolutely, which would be his fourth year uh, in the NFL. And you expect him to to maybe take another step, maybe get to that ten to twelve sack range next year if he's and at eight that, and a half this year. That deadline comes before he has a chance to right to prove to, it. To, to, to prove that uh, yeah. on on that fifth year option. But then you know I guess. If they decide not to pick it up, he could play for an extension, or I, right. I suppose if they don't pick it up, and he's probably just done exactly. uh, with the team. But Maybe. so I, I think uh, I think Ballard is high on Quiddy Pay. Yep. I think he's always been uh, high on him since they drafted him. Obviously, he made him a first round pick. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. But it does, as you mentioned, come down a lot of it to cost. And they will have to look long-term because there are some guys who are going to have to pay. Yep. Forced fumbles, Samson Ebukam and EJ Speed led the team with three each. Zaire Franklin, Dio Dengbo, DeForest Buckner, and Quiddy Pay each had two forced fumbles each themselves. The defense ended the year allowing the 28th most points in the league, which which should not be acceptable. Uh, 24.4 points per game. Turnovers only plus two. If you give up some points and you get a big turnover margin, like if you're plus 10 plus 13 that makes it a little bit yeah, easier you can, to you swallow can live with that that that's kind of your your bend but don't break defense. right and the big play type defense but the, but this 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 team um i don't think was was good enough with 24 takeaways is is not bad like it, it's pretty no, good it's, honestly it's there in the the middle right middle part of the the league right but but if you're going to give up 24 points per game you you need you would need more turnovers to be a winning football team so so one of those needs to change right you either need a more dynamic secondary or you need a a, a a secondary that just is a little bit more consistent like one or the other that that doesn't give up quite as many big plays or or uh, or one that makes more big plays to, to, to offset it so that you give your offense more opportunities uh, at the end of the day. Uh, 24th in rushing in the NFL this year, 17th in passing. Um, so I think rushing would be better with the full season of Grover Stewart. And, and he is, to me, one of the biggest questions this offseason about, about free agency um, as an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. Is, is number one. Obviously, I think on every uh, everyone who covers the Colts or every Colts fans list of what exactly is going to happen with him, but but Grover Stewart to me is number two, even above Kenny Moore, uh, because I think Grover is a very very good run defender, and yet you want to be more dynamic on the defensive line. So in the fifteen range in the first round, which is where the Colts are going to pick, they might have some options to get more dynamic on the defensive line. And the the unfortunate part for the Colts is, I mean, they have to make that decision on Grover first. Like, they can't do the draft. Like, the NBA does the draft and then comes free agency. In the NFL, free agency is a whole month, month and a half before the draft. So you have to make the decision on Grover before you know who exactly you're going to get in the draft. Uh, But at 15, there's going to be some options there to get more dynamic on the defensive interior or on the offense in several different ways. And we'll certainly get into that in the coming weeks and months on who possibilities so I, for the Colts. I just Colts. figured they would trade down to 28th and exactly. get two first-round picks. Uh, yeah. Or second-round yeah. picks. I, I don't know why I even look at who, who's going to be available <laughs> at 15 with, with Chris Ballard, the one making the call there. Uh, but but anyway, uh, when when we talk about free agents, um, the list, uh, you, you broke it down here, Matt, for us. Michael Pittman, Grover Stewart, Kenny Moore, Tyquan Lewis, Rigo Sanchez are, are some of the bigger names. Gardner Minshew as well, that uh, J- uh, Julian Blackman, Zach Moss, the, the big ones that, that I think you have to make a decision on this year. Obviously, Pittman is number one in terms of intrigue, whether you 100%. sign him. Or, and, and Chris Ballard wants to sign him undeniably wants to sign him. You get that from him talking to him. I think Pittman would very much like to test the open market because the market for wide receivers is great. Going to get paid. Exactly. He knows he's going to get paid a lot of money, probably more than what uh, what the franchise tag right. would, would give him uh, from some team probably, or about the same, I and guess. And the franchise tag is, what, $22, 23000000 million yes. right there for a wide receiver. So he's the most intriguing for sure. Whether the Colts use the franchise tag, we will see. Uh, Chris Bauer did not uh, say one way or the other. I think that they will try to get a deal done, Matt, with Pittman, and if they can't do it, they will franchise tag him because they, they cannot let him walk. They I, can't I, do it. I think the Atlanta game, I mean, you hate to just take one game and, and, and look at it like that, but when when they found out that they weren't going to have Pittman the day before that game because he cleared concussion protocol then went back into it, 
we saw what that team was like when they did not have him out there, and it, it, it was one of their worst performances of, of the season. They've, they've got to have Pitt back. Yeah, and, and the most dynamic receivers in this draft are going to be gone by 15 right. when the Colts – would not pick. We'll just say that for for the next couple months. But uh, but the guys like uh, Harrison and Roma Duze and Malik Neighbors, like they're going to be gone in the top ten. And the the best thing that could happen for the Colts, honestly, at this draft and for any team that's picking in the you know ten to twenty range, is teams fall in love with quarterbacks. Right. Just a, a big run on quarterbacks would would help some of these teams that would want to get an edge rusher or a wide receiver. Exactly. So so think about that even right now. Start start saying your prayers that 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 Michael Penix Jr. shines at the Combine, that Jalen Daniels wows at the Combine, because you think right now that you're going to have Caleb uh, Williams and Drake May in the top five for sure, but you look at the other guys, and, and, and all it takes is one team, Matt. All it takes is one team to fall in love with you. We saw it with Daniel Jones, and he was a guy that was mocked in the late first round for much of that pre-draft process or in the second round, and then toward the draft, you started seeing him creep into the top ten because there were whispers and correct whispers that some teams or a team specifically in the Giants were really, really liking him. So so that's what you want. You want one team. That's all you need, especially a team that's already in the top ten that doesn't have to sell an arm and a leg to get up there to fall in love with some of these quarterbacks. You want Seattle to get someone that they love. You want Atlanta to find someone that they love. Obviously, there are other teams like the Commanders that are up there, like the Patriots that are up there, uh, and the Bears. You would love to see uh, all those teams. There's five teams that I rattled off right there. Fall in love with a quarterback in this draft and, and want to take someone in this draft, and that just pushes the cream of the crop, the, the other players down a little bit more, and the Colts sitting at 15 could benefit from that. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of what they're going to have to hope for. If people want the Colts to select a difference maker, right at 15 and stick at 15, which is not necessarily the MO of the GM, yeah. uh, then that's that's what it's going to be required. I saw a clickbaity headline the other day that was like, here's what it would take for the Colts to get Marvin Harrison Jr. Stop. And I, I didn't even click on it because I'm like, this is garbage. No. There's just no way at the position that they're at that no. they're going to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, pipe dream. It would be a, a Colts fan's fantasy to get Marvin Jr. here. And it would be here's how we can do it. Exactly. Guys. <laughs> yeah. Give up everything. Like trade Anthony Richardson. Send Jonathan Taylor. But it's it's just not it's just not going to happen. So we'll send we'll, you DeForest Buckner, yeah. Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson mm-hmm. and our next two first round picks. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Out of this list of free agents, uh, who, who do you think is the most intriguing, Matt, out of, outside of Michael Pittman Jr.? I think there's a lot of names that you could go with. Like I said, I think I lean toward Grover, but you can make an argument Kenny Moore. You can make an argument Gardner Minshew, Julian Blackman, uh, even Zach Moss, I think, uh, even though I think you might lean some of those other guys. Who do you think is the most intriguing choice out of all of I, them? I keep coming back to Julian Blackman because we saw what he's able to do when he's healthy, but that is such a big asterisk on uh, his career because we, we've seen him with a couple season-ending injuries. <laughs> Uh, just in his short career here with the Colts. But, man, when he's out there, he's able to make such plays. So you, you have to wonder, are, are teams gonna, other teams going to be kind of shying away from that? Is that going to allow the Colts to retain him? Or is that something that the other teams are going to see it the same way that I do, that this guy can be dynamic? We, we should go out and get him. And does that mean the Colts are going to have to pay to, to keep him? I, I think Blackman this year is kind of like Michael Pittman Jr. Light in the fact that who else do you have? right now yes. because you have some other guys obviously I mean you have other receivers if you're the Colts and like we've talked about Alex Smith we've talked about that we really like Josh Downs uh, there's other guys back there that can play but there's no one on the level of Pittman safety I think it's very similar like you have Rodney Thomas who showed some promises rookie year and last year maybe this year maybe took a step back you have Ronnie Harrison uh, who's played in the NFL for a while. You have Nick Cross, who you have optimism for in the future. That's why you traded up to get him right. if you're Chris Ballard yeah. in the draft I'll a couple years ago as a young 20, guy that you probably yet. knew that he was going to take some time to develop into who you thought he was going to be. But but none of them are playing at the level Julian Blackman is. So so they're in a place, like I said, that's that's like a Michael Pittman Jr. light that there's no one else back there right now. So if you want to bring back someone, like he's the guy that you want back there, maybe there's more flexibility. You can maybe go out and get a safety in free agency uh, if you just are not as interested in Julian Blackman. But but at the same time, like if you go out and get someone in free agency, you're trying to get him like 
I don't know how much better you'll do unless you want to pay big money at safety, which you don't pay big money at safety typically. You know, unless they they were to luck out and find somebody like a not specifically, but a player like a Rodney McLeod that they kind of lucked into. They they brought a veteran in, he ended up being super productive for them, and they've done that a couple of times. Mike Adams, perfect example. Exactly. You you can't rely on that's going to be able to work out for you. Right. Maybe you go down that avenue again, but but it just adds a little bit of volatility in there, I think. So I think that's certainly an intriguing choice. Um, Zach Moss will be intriguing, too, because you don't pay for running backs in the NFL, uh, typically. So, I mean, he rushed for 740 yards this year. I think some team will be interested. Teams will be interested in bringing him in. But I don't know what his value is going to be uh, to them. Like I said, you don't pay often for running backs unless they're as dynamic as a Jonathan Taylor or a Christian McCaffrey or an Alvin Kamara. Guys like that get some paydays eventually. But but other than that, you don't get big paydays. And for Zach Moss, he might want to go to a place where he will get more carries because if he gets a one, two-year contract, whatever it is, you want to, as a running back, keep cashing in on contracts right. as long as you can because that life is short in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So if you stay here behind Jonathan Taylor, you know you are very much, very much option number two, and you're not going to get the same opportunities you would get elsewhere to be a guy that's more of a number one or at least a 1A alongside someone else. So like, I could very much understand why Zach Moss would not want to be here, but at the same time, he was very productive here, and he's behind a good offensive line here. And I guess that decision may come back a little bit to what do they think of Trey Sermon as well, because yep. he, he flashed a little bit as their third-string guy this year. Um, you know, they, they may think that he's kind of the, the discount uh, yep. option on, on Zach Moss and that they don't necessarily need to spend the outlay, as you, you mm-hmm. mentioned, for another running back. Kenny Moore, I, I think that you try to re-sign Kenny Moore. I think you can Absolutely, you can. Absolutely. Like, he's one, still one of the best nickels in the NFL, I believe. And, and and he finally, I mean, last year was a real struggle for Kenny. He admitted it. Yep. He just didn't really, he didn't really know what his role was in the defense. Well, this year he knew what his role was and he, yep. he excelled at yep. it this year. Yep. And, and that's, that speaks to a good player. <laughs> I mean, that, that you, you were learning one way, you were learning the Matt Eberflew system for years and you excelled in that. And then you get thrown into something else and you struggle. And it's easy to go in the tank there. Kind of what I was talking about with rookie with, with coaches earlier. Like if you fall fall down and like you're starting to struggle in this area, and easy to get caught up in that and just try to jump out elsewhere if you're a player and go back to what you're familiar with. Well, Kenny didn't do that. Kenny really put in the work this, this past offseason. You could see it with his production on the field. It was evident because he was more effective, hundred percent, and what um, was not not quite the same levels that we saw in 2021 when he was a pro bowl player, but much, much better than we saw well, from him in 2022. And also, I mean, we, we've talked about it all season, our concerns about the secondary, the, the, the talent, the lack of experience that, it, that is there. It is very di- a very difficult sell for me to think that this secondary can get any better yeah. if you take away their veteran pre- presence of, of Kenny Moore there at nickel. Tyquan Lewis is intriguing because he's had a couple years here, and he finally was healthy this year. Healthy this year and super, just a, a great rotational player. Yep, a great rotational player. But do you, if you're the Colts at 15, want to try for someone more dynamic to fill yeah, into that spot I in the rotation? The, I think the, the answer is we're going to trade down and get two second-round right. picks. Yep. But I, I'm, I'm joking. I, I think if, if they do um, think that they can get somebody at 15, they probably will. Right. It, a lot of this, like I said, depends on who they take at 15, but then it makes it just weird because free agency is first. So Taekwon Lewis, great rotational player. Is that enough to get a, another contract? We'll see. Rigo Sanchez, uh, I think he was the only punter in the league without a touchback this year, which is saying something incredible. Yeah, that, and he wasn't, he wasn't great in the early part of the season, but he's also coming back from a, a devastating right. injury. Yeah. So, uh, But by the time we got to the midway point of the season toward the end, man, Rigo was Rigo. And and Chris Ballard pointed out when he was asked post pre- postseason press conference about Rigo, also added he's a great holder. And that's freaking and that's important. important. Like really important. You don't want to mess with with that no. uh system. And especially when you invested so much in Matt Gay as uh as your free agent kicker that you just signed last year. So I I I, I would be stunned, absolutely stunned, if the Colts did not bring Rigo Sanchez back. Uh Gardner Minshew. Gardner wants to be a quarterback. He wants to play. And might he get the opportunity here if Anthony Richardson is hurt again? Yes. 
But I think he wants to go somewhere with more of an opportunity if it's completely up to him. Now, is there another NFL team that wants to give him that opportunity? We will see. Based on this year, he let it. It would have gone, I think, a long way for him if the Colts had gotten in the playoffs. If they could have just gotten over that hump there it would have and won that last game, gone a long way for him, I think, in just in terms of his negotiations and his agents' negotiations with other teams, being like, "I led a team to the playoffs." Yeah, we got a playoff quarterback right here. Exactly. No, well, now he's not a playoff quarterback, and, and which which speaks to speaks to somewhat the silliness of of of, of that type of. Um, results-based um, judgment, I guess, because he's still the same quarterback, whether the Colts won that game or not. And but 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 he, they just didn't. So and to, the whole team didn't win that game. It wasn't just on on his shoulders. But and you guys talked plenty about uh, last week and and just the 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 you know the failed fourth and one and all that and and his role in that mm-hmm. and, and and his his strengths his his weaknesses for the entire season. So I don't feel like we need to we need to dive into that play specifically and and, and all that. But 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 he certainly provides a value to the Colts. You you undoubtedly you 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 want someone there like they had with Matt Hasselbeck who could come in for for years if Andrew Luck was banged up and i think the Colts need to realize that and Chris Bauer needs to realize this that that you can't just go into next year with Sam Ellinger as your backup quarterback and you have to make a decision about what you want to do with him i think he's still under contract for two more years for one excuse me more more year with his, his with his rookie deal but but you you need to make you, you need to have a viable backup quarterback because you could be in a situation like this where one or two games really one game really matters in at the end of at the end of your year and you have a quarterback who plays a physical style of football who has a much more chance of getting hurt than, than other quarterbacks in the NFL do you just do so so that's a position that if Chris Ballard hasn't realized yet that he needs a strong backup quarterback that you can rely on to get a win and come in and be effective that I don't know what he's doing as GM like you you need to have a reliable backup quarterback Gardner Minshew certainly has certainly has that I think it depends on what interest he gets from other teams, whether he will be back here in the future. Because uh, there is a multiverse where Anthony Richardson plays the rest of the season, but he misses a couple of games, but Gardner wins those games, and that helps propel the Colts into the playoffs and shows shows, it, shows his value in kind of a, a different way. Um, you know, if let's say in, it, when, when they beat the Ravens. Yeah, and, perfect example. You know, in, in that game, Richardson was not able to play. Minshew comes in, he, he was not great in that game but they won the game and you know maybe maybe that's kind of where his his role goes I think you know we we talked there were a lot there were just a scad of uh, backup quarterbacks that got their their shots this year because of injuries and necessity and, and teams being a little bit thin on maybe having a quality backup that sort of thing I think some teams are going to take a good look at Gardner because, yes, uh, you're not going to get uh, a dynamic playmaking guy, but you're going to get a steady guy. And some of those teams that had a guy go down would have loved to have had him under center this year. But uh, we'll have to see what the market says. The other unrestricted Colts free agents this year, defensive tackle Taven Bryan, who was a fine rotational piece, I thought. Isaiah McKenzie, wide receiver who was suspended for the last three games of the season. So very much, I would think, uh, could be out the door. Um, defensive end Jake Martin, uh, defensive end Jannard Avery, wide receiver Juwan Winfrey, and then some restricted free agents, uh, Jack Anderson, the guard, Henry Black, safety, Danny Pinter, Ball State, chirp, chirp, guard, uh, cornerback Tony Brown, who has already been waived. So he's a restricted fact. free agent, but it doesn't matter because he's already, he's already gone, which town. was also in the Isaiah McKenzie yes. uh, three-game suspension at the end of the year. Uh, the Colts have signed some players to one-year extensions or reserve future contracts. I think the biggest names uh, in that group, uh, Trevor Denbo, who's a, been a special teams player for a long time, uh, Cam McGrown, the Lawrence Central linebacker, uh, who's also a special teams player for him this year, Saguna Luby, who saw some, uh, some rep this year uh, at linebacker, and Daryl Baker Jr., a cornerback, signed to a one-year extension as well. Um, and the guys that they signed to reserve future contracts are a bunch of guys that 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 we know their names, we've seen them, but guys who have really never seen much or if any of the field. A, a, a lot of practice squad yeah. all-stars uh, yeah. that, we, that we see guys get uh, put back and forth between the, 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 the main roster and the practice team. Right. So, so uh, in terms of the NFL draft and free agency, we've touched on it. The Colts are locked into the 15th pick. We'll talk about that plenty in the coming weeks. The draft is scheduled for April 25th through the 
27th in Detroit. Not a far uh, drive here for Colts fans. Could be fun to go up there and check it out. February 20th is when you can start designating players with a franchise or transition tag, and that goes until March 5th. Uh, March 11th and 12th through the 13th, uh, unrestricted free agent negotiations can begin. That little legal tampering period. Legal so, tampering. How, yes, how about everybody that? loves legal yeah, tampering. Love um, March 13th at 4 p.m. is when the new year leagues, new league year starts, and you can officially sign players. April 15th is OTAs. May 2nd is uh, first round picks. Um, we didn't get the combine in here, but of course that's always in in February, uh, right here in Indianapolis. Uh, always a good time here in the Circle City. Um, and so May 2nd deadline to exercise first round uh, fifth year option. So yeah, I thought I had the combine bad. in there, but you're right. I left it off. Shame good, on you, Good Matt, job. Graciously. Good job, producer Matt. Yeah, seriously. Joe would never have forgotten the combine. No, he wouldn't well, have. Well, because that would have been our lead, and that's so all you, we were you, talking about. You would have about. done 15 weeks of combine <laughs> coverage, Dave. <laughs> good job. Joe, love you. Mm-hmm. Likewise. Um, we'll, we'll get into a, a lot more topics in the coming weeks. So, um, yeah, uh, I think that, uh, that we've uh, reached our limit here on uh, this week's Colts Blue Zone podcast as we kind of gave just a, a primer of, uh, of the very bare bare bones basics of the foundation of what we're looking at in this offseason. And uh, we'll get into, I think, areas that we think the Colts should improve uh, in coming weeks. We'll, we'll talk about next year's uh, opponents and schedule that, that, that we know so far. But, but, uh, and, of course, uh, there's always something that seems to pop up news of the week that, that we can uh, dissect. And, uh, and we'll, we'll get Mike Chappell back in the future. And we might be moving to Wednesdays just uh, for our loyal listeners uh, for throughout this offseason. We'll see exactly what comes. But um, whether it's going to be Wednesday or Thursday, you can always count on us uh, to come back every week and give you uh, some Colts content here in podcast form. So we appreciate you listening. For Matt Adams and Mike Chappell, I'm Dave Griffiths. We'll see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone Podcast.